welcome back to the world of speech pathology for Hubbard and Tennyson Speech Consultants. I'm Gina Smith, and we're back today with my good friend, Miss Sydney. And also today we have a guest. Her name is Allison. Miss Allison got her C's, and she is a graduate from California State Long Beach. And today we're going to talk about well, we're going to do a little introduction as far as the hard of hearing population goes in regards to this pandemic. Right. And teletherapy. And yes, we're talking about hard of hearing. I, you know, I learned that the hearing impaired population prefer to be called hard of hearing. And that goes for the children and the adults. So, you know, when we, when I was in, when I was working in the school system, you know, the kids were always identified as being hearing impaired. So now I'm understanding that the classification has changed and the identification has changed. And going through this pandemic and coronavirus and teletherapy is the reason we are um, addressing our podcast today to discuss hard of hearing students and clients in general. And I know both of you currently are working with students who are hard of hearing. And I would just like to kind of talk about, you know, um, what are you encountering with kids pre and post COVID, um, how they're interacting with you in group therapy, individually one-on-one, teletherapy. Could you all kind of uh, shed some light on how things are going? Uh, yeah, so I, um, you know, have had some experiences with students who are hard of hearing, um, both through teletherapy and now we're back in school. Um, and I think it was just a, a big learning experience. Um, it really made me aware of the different strategies that I need to use um, through teletherapy, making sure that I think about all the visual cues I'm giving, making sure that they're in a quiet setting. And that has also transferred over to working in the school setting, making sure that, you know, the environment is quiet, that I'm using more gestures, that I'm checking to make sure that my students can comprehend the directions before I move on. So um, I think it's really given me a little bit more awareness of what I need to do to support my students who are um, hard of hearing. Now, let me ask, um, are you using the mask that has the clear part on the face? Yes, I found that that's the biggest help is using the clear mask and making sure that I have the clear mask on because we get a lot of information um, from looking at someone's lips and doing lip reading. Um, it also helps with thinking about your facial expressions that communicates a lot of information as well. So I always make sure that I'm, I'm wearing my clear mask and that's been a huge um, help. For sure. I, I have to agree when, I mean, I've used the, the regular mask versus the clear mask with my client, with my younger client. Um, and it's just a world of difference. Like, it's not even close. You got to be able to see the mouth. So really, it's it's a gift that somebody came up with a mask that even shows your face. Because not only, we weren't even thinking about this. We especially weren't thinking about needing to see your mouth while having to wear a face mask. So 
yeah. to whoever came up with that. Thank you. It's been a great help for speech pathologists and the hard of hearing population everywhere. Yes. And I've also noticed that um, over time at the school that some of my students have purchased the clear masks and they're wearing the clear mask as well, which is been helpful for me too, being able to understand what they're saying. And um, it's interesting to see it go both ways. The teachers that I work with, they do. They um, they use them for when they're reading to their students. So they don't wear them all the time, but they do wear them when specifically they're reading to the student. And you know, any exposure to the mouth is better than none. Um, I know it's not the most comfortable because all of the condensation goes right back on your face, but it's a small <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> yes. Any suggestions on how to keep it clean or keep the condensation to a minimum? I do not have any tips on how to keep the condensation to a minimum, but, but I mean, you know, wipe it down afterwards in between uses. You definitely don't want it to get moldy and disgusting. Yeah, I think wiping it down has helped the most for me too. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other students wearing the clear mask has been helpful to my deaf or hard of hearing students because they interact with each other too. And it's important for their social development and seeing their peers smile and their facial expressions. And it's easier for them to understand their peers. So that's been nice to see too. Unrelated to hard of hearing, but related to this topic, I also like to have the clear mask for my Arctic students too. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful as well. Definitely, so that they, they will be able to um, at least see where the articulators where they're supposed to be putting them. And then when you're trying to observe and assess them, then at least you will be able to see if they're putting them in the right position. For sure. Um, so for teletherapy, what are some tips, Allison, that you'd recommend when working with students who are hard of hearing? I think the strategies that help the most were first making sure that you have good lighting um, making sure that the student is well lit and my face is well lit is well lit as well. Especially when we're working on articulation, they need to be able to see your mouth and your tongue, and that takes a good amount of light. Uh, also, making sure that my student um, is in a quiet area of their house. There's been times when I have to ask, "Can you move to a quieter room?" That way nothing's getting lost in translation, that they can understand me and hear me, and I can also understand and hear them. Those have been the most um, helpful strategies that I've used during teletherapy. Okay, great. Any particular suggestions like for the teachers who currently now have some kids in the classroom and some kids doing teletherapy simultaneously that we can, you know, kind of offer some suggestions to them? I think the closed captioning tool is really handy. We can use that. Um, my, I know on Google Classroom, there's already a button. You just click closed captioning and it'll do it for you as you go. And my students and I included think that this is hilarious because it, it mostly gets it right. But sometimes every now and again, it thinks, and you know, this could be because I'm as country as a turnip green, but sometimes it doesn't always get the words coming out right. 
And also for the artic kids, like the R, like if you ask them to say an individual word and they're dropping the R at the end, it'll put up a different word. And not only is that a little bit funny to see a different word than what you're trying to produce, but it also helps the kid understand, you know, my speech intelligibility is decreased in so many words. And so you can use this tool, you keep repeating it until it does get the word that you're trying to say. So I think that's a fun one. And also using the mute button is really helpful um, because, you know, you don't want any unwanted background noise going on when you're working with students with hard of hearing or just students who are easily distracted outside of hard of hearing students. The mute button is helpful. Any um, particular um, levels of achievement or uh, participation with across the grade level uh, range? Like are the younger kids participating more or the older kids participating more? I think in general, the working with younger students, I find myself having to be more animated and more mm-hmm. energetic to make sure that I'm holding their attention. Um, and that helps too. I mean, you know, using more gestures, more facial expressions, just the tone of your voice. Um, I think I find myself needing to be more animated with the younger students. The older students have a different uh, approach, I think. They're able to sit down and attend to the, the screen longer. I don't need to be more animated, just making sure that I'm being age appropriate too. But definitely the younger students need a little bit more energy. Couldn't agree more. I yeah. could not agree more. Uh, Allison, do you have any tips for people who are wearing hearing aids or cochlear implants while wearing a mask? Because that's a lot going on in your ear. I don't know if you've seen the meme where the girl has the headphones, the mask, and the hoops all on her ear. And it's <laughs> like, how much more can this ear take? So I was wondering if you have any tips as far as wearing hearing aids and a mask at the same time. Yes, I have noticed since being back at school that my students with hearing aids, the mask kind of pulls the hearing aid, the ear loop kind of pulls the hearing aid. So it kind of hangs off their ear and they have to adjust it and put it back on. So just doing some research, you know, I found that there's different types of masks that might help with that, like masks that tie around your head versus go around your ears. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you found any any other types of solutions to that problem? I think that was a great one, the one with the four strings that you tie in the back. I think that one's excellent. And then also you can get like some mesh tape or some wig tape to help hold the hearing aid down to your head just for some extra security. And then I also know that there's like the mesh bonnet, but I think the deal with the mesh bonnet is it covers the whole ear. And I don't think that works with a mask at this point in time. So as far Mm -hmm. as keeping the hearing aid attached to your head, I would suggest the wig tape or the mesh tape. For some of the uh, female students, I mean, you know, they can probably put a bobby pin on the back of the um, either the ones that have the extension that go around the ear or even the ones with the drawstrings. So if they put the bobby pin on their hair and the actual band that goes around the ear, then it won't pull. Yeah, it won't pull forward. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I did have that worry or concern about kids with hearing aids 
because I just recently realized that I suffer with TMJ, temporomandibular joint, mm-hmm. uh, oral motor, you know, with my mouth and my jaws. And I actually called my dentist a couple of weeks ago to ask, did anyone, you know, call them to, with any concerns about their TMJ while, you know, since we've had to wear a mask. The, uh, the young lady that I spoke with, the office manager, she told me, she said, Regina, actually, nobody has called. She said, but I do have the same problem. I said, you know, I, and I've, I've always, not always, but, you know, I'll bite the insides of my jaw. I'll wear night guards at night when it does start acting up. But I just noticed it was just constant, constant. I'm like, I'm not doing anything different. You know, I'm, I'm not doing therapy right now. So it's not like I'm using all my old remote skills. And then one day I was walking into my actual speech meeting and I'm trying to um, uh, rearrange the mask on my face and try to pull it out. And then it hit me. It's the mask. It's the string or the uh, it, uh, rubber going around my ear. It, it's pulling. So it's, it, you know, it, it's preventing me from using my oral motor skills where I normally would. But, and then you're trying to talk underneath a mask. So you're trying to, you know, reposition everything, your jaw, your tongue, your teeth. And so I find myself pulling out, you know, trying to pull it out to give myself enough room to talk. And that's when I realized well, I'm also when I'm doing that, I'm also pulling my ears in behind, which is actually causing my TMJ to um, become irritated. So yeah, maybe that'll help for you as well. The this tie, you know, the tie ones where you have the four mm-hmm. strings. I've uh, I've seen something kind of funny that um, nurses, uh, I saw it on the internet, that nurses have used um, the, you know, the children's toy, um, the monkeys in a barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You can actually take one of those little monkeys and put it on the back of your head and loop the strings around <laughs> the monkey's arms and it keeps the wow. ears. So, yeah. you know, I thought that was kind of funny. But and a little accessory while you're at it. I love it. Yeah. So I, there's a lot of little life hacks out there that they're doing. You know, yeah. we just have to find the one that's more most comfortable for us to be able to use in a setting and, you know, maybe to tell parents also you know, that will help the kids out. For sure. So there's one more thing I want to cover before we head out. I would like to just discuss any sort of tips for communicating while wearing a mask when speaking to someone who is hard of hearing. Or even if you're not, just for some tips for communicating with the mask on in general, if y'all have any sort of um, suggestions for our listeners. One thing I would say is, you know, we now we have to speak louder. We have to speak clearer and certain masks kind of muffle, you know, depending on how, what kind it is and how tight or loose it fits. So that's going to also determine, you know, how the communication comes across. So just kind of me, I'm just thinking, you know, a mask that's comfortable that will have enough space in it for you to, you know, use the motion of the old motor skills, speak louder and slower and clearer. One tip that I found helpful is using more gestures, using your body language to convey your message. Um, Also, 
If you could see Allison now, she's being yeah. a model for her own um, instruction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Using lots of hand movements, lots of gestures, also making sure you're in a quiet environment so there's not too much background noise. For sure. And uh, something I've experienced, I've actually um, come across a few people who are hard of hearing and, you know, like when getting coffee or just like out out and about outside of the speech world, right? And something that I've taken to is to either say it a different way or you can write down what you're trying to say or, you know, if you're in a restaurant or somewhere with a menu, I like to say what it is that I want as well as point to it on the menu if I have one available, just to be extra uh, sure that the message gets across. Great. Well, ladies, I want to thank you all so much for joining us and Allison for you coming on and joining uh, Sydney and I today for our Covenant Tennyson's World of Speech Pathology, Season 1, Episode 5. And I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll get some feedback um, from parents, from coworkers, as to, you know, if we were able to give them some good help and suggestions for today, from our podcast for today. And if they have any specific questions or topics that they would like us to um, talk about in the future. Yeah, you can hit us with those uh, suggestions at our Instagram, which is HTSpeech. Um, also, yeah, if you have any other tips that weren't mentioned here that you'd like to get across, feel free to comment them underneath um, the Instagram post because we will be posting about this podcast. Thanks, right. everyone. We appreciate it. Thank you.